Good evening and welcome to E-Bible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 29 of Revelation chapter 3. And we're currently reading verse 14. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. And we're at the point in the verse where it says, These things saith they, the Amen, or Amen. And the word Amen, of course, is very familiar to the child of God. Actually, it's a word that uh, a great many people, even in the world, have familiarity with because uh, it's um, a simple word and it's a word that's identified with praying and uh, when when someone is offering a prayer and they end their prayer with amen. It's a, a extremely common thing to hear. And yet um, it's a word. It's a word of God. It's a word of the Bible. And like any word, we want to examine it. And we want to see what is God using this word for? What is its purpose? What does it mean? And when we look at the Greek word here translated Amen, and that is basically how you would pronounce it. It's actually a transliteration from a Hebrew word. The Greek is number 281 in Strong's Concordance, but it's uh, derived from the Hebrew word, number 543, and this word is pronounced Amen in Hebrew. Uh, it, it's found in Psalm 41, Psalm 41 and verse 13. Blessed be Jehovah God of Israel from everlasting and to everlasting. Amen and amen. And that is the Hebrew word which we would pronounce amen. And it's uh, used here. The New Testament uses it in a similar way as this. It's also translated as truth in Isaiah 65. And in verse 16, it says that he who blesseth himself in the earth shall bless himself in the God of truth. And that word truth is normally translated amen in the Old Testament. It's also translated or found one other way in Jeremiah in chapter 11. And uh, I think this um, verse is helpful to show us. Um, a lot of the meaning of the word in Jeremiah 11, verse 5, that I may perform the oath which I have sworn unto your fathers to give them a land flowing with milk and honey as it is this day. Then answered I and said, so be it, O Jehovah. And that could read, of course, then answered I and said, Amen, O Jehovah. And, and yet by allowing the translators to translate it this way, so be it. God is helping us to define the word and to understand it better. It means, yes, may this be. I agree with the statement that is being made here. I, I believe this statement is true. And, and so, uh, I would add my amen. So be it. May may the Lord bring it to pass. 
That's the idea that this word conveys. Now, in the New Testament, the word amen, the Greek word, number 281, is translated many times as verily in uh, John chapter 3. For some reason, in the Gospel of John, it's doubled often, and and it seems to be uh, mostly, if not exclusively, found in the fourth gospel, that God doubles the word amen and says, verily, verily. He'll, he'll have it translated as verily in some other places, but, but in the fourth gospel, it's often doubled. One place we see this is in John chapter 3 and verse 3 and 5. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, here we can see how Jesus is confirming the things that he is saying as truth. It it could read, Truly, truly, I say to you, verily, verily, this is a true fact. It's a it's a true statement of the word of God that this is the situation concerning the new birth and being born again. Well, uh, we we find that the Lord Jesus in Revelation three, verse fourteen, is called the Amen. As it says there, these things saith. The Amen. Jesus uh, has a name, and the name is Amen. We would understand this to mean that He is the one that gives assent and an agreement and verifies the truthfulness of the Word of God, since He is the Word made flesh. Well, let's move on. These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness. This is, again, speaking of Jesus Christ. He is the faithful and true witness. Um, the The Bible tells us uh, it, uh, in many places that this is the case. We'll just look at a couple. In Hebrews chapter 3, it says... In verse 2, who was faithful to him that appointed him. And and um, ver- this is referring to Christ Jesus, uh, who's mentioned in the previous verse. As also Moses was faithful in all his house. So Jesus was faithful to him that appointed him. We also read, and, and we covered this verse when we studied Revelation chapter 1. In verse 5. It says there, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth. Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. And just one other verse in Revelation 19 and verse 11. And I saw heaven open and behold, a white horse and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. 
and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. Now, the, the Lord is, is faithful. He is the essence of faith. It is by his faith that, uh, that his people are saved as he was faithful, perfectly faithful to all that the Father required of him in making atonement um, for the sins of the elect. Well, uh, it, it doesn't just say faithful. It says he is the faithful and true witness. Now, of course, we know that uh, John fourteen six says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus uh, intimately identifies with truth. The word of God, thy word is true. Where thy word is truth, it intimately identifies with truth. And Christ is the faithful one and the true one. He is the faithful and true witness. Now, the word witness means exactly as we understand it. In our society, we uh, we have trials and uh, court cases and Individuals are charged, they're accused of committing certain crimes, a robbery or, or whatever the crime is, and evidence is gathered and witnesses are called. And the prosecution and the defense calls witnesses and there's a judge and, and the jury that listens to the witness's testimony. And really, the responsibility and duty of the, the jury is to listen carefully to the witnesses as they testify, especially if there is a witness that says, I saw this man, and they point to the accused that's sitting in the courtroom. I saw this man breaking into the store, and and then he came out. Uh, with with items that belong to the store. And the jury weighs the testimony of the witness. Now, if there happens to be a second or a third witness that confirms this, and and they all point uh, to the same man, and, and their testimony agrees together, then the jury will will have a pretty easy time reaching a verdict and concluding this man is guilty. We listened to the witnesses. The witnesses were all in agreement. And it's pretty obvious that this man committed the crime and is guilty and needs to be punished. Now, that that idea of witnessing is very similar to the Bible's idea of witnessing. And actually, our law system, our courts... Uh, undoubtedly have taken much of the Bible's language and and the whole idea of trial and judges and witnesses and and uh, have taken it as its own and and uh, as most of the governments of the world have done. The Bible lays out an excellent system of justice. And so anyway, the word witness means to bear record of things seen or perhaps said by people, uh, as someone can testify, I heard uh, this person saying uh, so-and-so, and 
It's not always things seen. It could be something heard. But it is the bare record of something and and your witnesses that this is true. The things that I have heard, the things that I have seen are true. And and this is what the the believers did of the Lord Jesus Christ. We find in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 3, it says in, uh, let's see, in verse 14, in Acts 3, But ye denied the Holy One and the just, and desired a murderer to be granted unto you, and killed the Prince of Life, whom God has raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. Now these are the apostles and and the disciples, and and they're still in Israel. They're in Jerusalem, and it's not very long after Christ has gone to the cross, and they are witnesses of the things that Jesus did in his life during his ministry, and of his death, and of his resurrection from the dead as he appeared to them. They are witnesses. They saw these things. They saw them with their own eyes. As it says in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that he was seen of James, then of all the apostles, and last of all he was seen of me also as of one born out of due time. They are witnesses to the resurrection of Christ, and God moved them in uh, in some cases to write down the things that they saw and to record them, and that is the Bible, and the Bible uh, becomes a witness of the things that the apostles and disciples of Christ saw. And and in Acts, that that is what they're testifying to. In Acts chapter 5, we, we find in verse 29, Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses of these things. And so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God has given to them that obey him. Now here the apostles are witnessing in Jerusalem and the Jews don't like it at all. They thought they were done with this sect as they put Christ to death. And little did they know that the sect of Christianity would, um, would flourish and, 
and multiply across the face of the earth, and God would greatly bless it amongst all the nations of the world. But they're trying to cause the disciples to stop witnessing, to stop talking about this. And sometimes they um, uh, beat them and threaten them, and, and that's why Peter says we ought to obey God rather than man. And notice he also says in verse 32, we are his witnesses of these things. But he doesn't stop there. Writing under the inspiration of God, uh, it goes on to say, and so is also the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is a witness of these things. Now, that's actually a very important statement because how how is it possible that the Holy Ghost is a witness of the things that the disciples saw? And the answer is because it is written in the Scripture. The things that happened to Christ, uh, his entry into the world, that was written about in Isaiah chapter 9, for instance. His ministry, his going to the cross, well, Jesus' very words are recorded in Psalm 22 when he was upon the cross. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And therefore, the Holy Ghost witnessed to the sufferings of Christ. And the resurrection of the dead is, it, there's language found throughout the scriptures indicating that Christ would live that he would provide satisfaction to the law's demands of death and then rise from the dead. And all of these scriptures are a witness of the Holy Ghost, and they agree with the witnesses, the eyewitnesses, the the apostles and disciples concerning the things that they saw. It says in Hebrews chapter 10, in Hebrews 10, we have confirmation concerning the Holy Spirit witnessing through the Word of God. As it says in verse 15, Whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us, for after that he had said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them and their sins and iniquities will remember no more. Now, that that statement um, comes right from Jeremiah, where God has said that in the book of Jeremiah. And yet, uh, here it said the Holy Ghost is a witness concerning these things, and then it's a quotation from the Scripture, from the Word of God. That means, and, and this is interesting, and very helpful to us, to God's people as we study the Bible. This means that Scripture is a witness. Scripture itself is a witness of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost witnesses or testifies to the truthfulness of something with what is said or what is found in the writings of the Bible. And and the, the Bible just told us that. 
The, the Holy Ghost is a witness. Now, God has established certain principles for those that witness and that testify uh, that, that their witness must be true. Well, he, he has also said that there must be two or three witnesses before a testimony can be accepted. And that would mean that one witness is not sufficient. One individual, one lone person, according to the Bible's law, could not by himself point a finger at someone and let's say he saw someone murder another and say, I saw this man kill this other individual. He did it. And, well, okay, they would listen to that testimony, but then they would have to find another man to agree with his witness before they could condemn that person for murder. And that is the law of God. There must be two or three witnesses. You could have more than that, but at least two. And you see, God has actually established a biblical principle with that. Now, uh, this was the problem the leaders of Israel, the scribes and Pharisees had when they were trying to condemn the Lord Jesus. In Mark chapter 14, in verse 55, uh, Christ is before their council. And it says, And the chief priests and all the council sought for witness against Jesus to put him to death, and found none, for many bear false witness against him. But their witness agreed not together. That is, they had enough enough people. They had a, a, a man over here who said, Now I heard him say this, and and that was testimony to put him to death if anyone would agree with him but then they'd find another person willing to testify and his testimony was not in agreement with the first man well let me let me keep reading here in verse 56 for many bear false witness against him but their witness agreed not together and there arose certain and bear false witness against him saying we heard him say i will destroy this temple that is made with hands and within three days I will build another made without hands. But neither, so did their witness agree together. And th- this is why finally, in frustration, the high priest uh, answered and say, uh, Tell us if thou be the, the Son of God. And, and, and the Lord uh, made a statement which indicated he was uh, the son of God. And then the high priest said, what further need have we of witnesses? They were very glad that um, the witnesses were not necessary according to them because their witness did not agree together. And and the Bible says if you have 10 witnesses or 100 witnesses and they do not agree together, you cannot say that you have come to a proper decision you uh, whatever is being testified to you cannot confirm it and this is very helpful because the lord actually has established this system 
when it comes to Bible study. Remember, the Holy Spirit is a witness. We read in Hebrews 10 and also in in the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit is a witness and the Holy Spirit will testify as to the words of Christ. That is, the Holy Spirit is the one that brings things to our remembrance, that leads us into all truth. Well, how are we led into truth? How is truth confirmed? How is truth understood and and made known? How can, in other words, we finally say, yes, I have truth. I believe that this is the true word of God, not because of what I think, not because of what others tell me, but because the word of God, the Holy Spirit has confirmed it. And how does that process work? Well, God has said we compare spiritual things with spiritual and the Holy Ghost teacheth. That is, we we look at a verse in Mark, we compare it with a verse as the words of that verse lead us to other scriptures, maybe in John or uh, in Acts or or in First Thessalonians, wherever it leads. And we slowly begin to weigh the testimony and we're looking for agreement within the word of God. And and God has said, well, a single testimony is not enough. And and uh, therefore, when a verse says, well, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And people say, well, that's enough for me. See, it says it right there. It, it God plainly said how you become saved. You just believe. Well, that's a single testimony that now needs to be confirmed. And when we now search the rest of the Bible and we find other testimony that indicates, well, a man is dead in sin and he, and he can't believe and there's no way that he can believe unto salvation and all sorts of other information, other witnesses, a great cloud of witnesses of the scripture testifies. No, that's not so. Therefore, that understanding of the single witness believe and thou shalt be saved is incorrect and if if someone continued to insist oh no no i'm i'm going with what this verse says very plainly very very directly well then they would develop a false gospel it it's based on a single witness They have not taken other witnesses into account. If they did, they would see the witness did not agree together. God actually is giving us insight into how we can come to truth. We compare scripture with scripture and and then we make sure that any conclusion we draw harmonizes with the rest of the Bible. Or to put it another way, that any witness of Scripture is confirmed by the rest of the witness of Scripture. And when other Scriptures fail to agree, well then, we cannot think that we have truth. We have no confirmation. 
But when witness does agree, then we can be sure, yes, this is a true teaching of the Bible.